Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins, a Go Loud original podcast. Proudly sponsored by Cully and Sully. Tastes like homemade. Grab a Cully and Sully for soup season. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Dishing It Out with me, Gary O'Hanlon, and my co-host, Garrett Mullins. Garrett Mullins from The Marker, sponsored by Cully and Sully. And uh, coming up on the show today, we've got the brilliant Cassie Stokes, who's got one of the best series, uh, uh, I think, anyway, on Instagram. She's got her best off series. I'm really looking forward to seeing her, guys. Me too. It's my goal too. Like, I mean, she's just given, or she's, she's getting people within the industry to give the best shout-outs of the best foodie and drink destinations in the country and even further afield. So yeah, uh, definitely one that I think we're all going to get a really brilliant conversation. Yeah, she's had the hook on me on that page yeah. for a long, long time. And anybody in Ireland that's either in the food world or has any interest in nice, cosy bars, good pub food, good restaurants, hotels, even books and potato, actually, she's been covering that too. So really looking forward to... Uh, talking to Cassie later on but we kick off the show almost every week with our gadget of the week and I'm going to go to my partner in crime Gareth first to see what he has brought to the table and the life of, of, a, of a chef in a hotel sometimes throws a few curveballs at you and one was thrown at me yesterday so oh. I had to go and pick up a couple of gadgets this week oh. so that's a bag that I have oh, so the from first stock one, from it's stock. my favourite shop the corner, in Dublin the first one I had to go and get was uh, I think oh. a lot of us have been going these at the moment. <laughs> so the cookie glamour. cutters. Look at that. What's that like? Gingerbread men cookie cutters or yeah, something? It's is it? the gingerbread family, and it's for um, we obviously uh, like celebrating Christmas across the month of December with our guests. And uh, the pastry chef only had this tiny little cookie cutter for the gingerbread men, and I was like, Sebastian. That's not big enough. I mean, we need to give people. <laughs> so he was like, "Don't get them too big because the bigger they are, oh, the yeah. more mise en place he has. The to more mix he has to make." <laughs> <laughs> so that's one. And then, uh, so I'm sure a lot of uh, families out there now are going to be buying these, and yeah. I'll share a cool gingerbread recipe on my Instagram, sure, in the coming weeks. So, uh, and the other one, this isn't for a lot of cooks, I don't think, and I'm, you're probably going to give them throw a little bit of stick my way for this one. So, it's a. Uh, <laughs> oh for God's sake Oh my God I actually can't believe I can't believe He's brought so, in A truffle shaver well, Do you know what That wasn't going to be The gadget of the week And Russell Thanks very much For throwing me under the bus there Because I couldn't have Two polar opposite things So what it is For those who don't know Truffles are in season At the moment And you can get these Very special little It's like a, a micro. It's like a plane No one I don't think Is going to have to go And get one of these But it slices truffle Yeah really, people you really know So whenever you come home From the school run on on Tuesday <laughs> evening and it's pissing rain outside yeah. you've got three children hanging off you and you make a, an old sneaky uh, carbonara yeah a little carbonara <laughs> whatever you do make sure you've got a truffle shaver in your uh, knife and fork press to shave some Alba truffles over anyway. over a bowl of like uh, shop bought bechamel sauce <laughs> do you know what I mean that wow. was a that was a total thrown under the bus there, but that's you know un, what? That's bit of crack. Look, we uh, in in like did you ever see when an electrician comes into your house and he has this massive box with a gazillion tools in it? Chefs are the same. That's an instrument that uh, truffles are very expensive, so you have to make sure that you slice them correctly. And uh, 
at the weekend we had a dish with truffle on it and we couldn't find the truffle shaver and it ended up people were getting yeah using the veg peeler and, exactly. they're, and then they're getting too much yeah but not even that it's not as nice as yeah, yeah, so anyway there you, you go like that's, my, that's my gadget yeah so Gareth's must have gadget <laughs> in your house in Ross Common is a cookie cooker is a, is a cookie cutter yeah. <laughs> yeah and for the rest of you it's a truffle shaver yeah so I'm going to bring the tone way down and I'm going to go as always yeah as always the Donegal man is just going to rain on the parade I'm going to I'm going to bring a potato scooper a mashed scooper to the table you know like you scoop make mashed potato and you want to portion it out okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I mean I have three kids or whatever well you can use a spoon yeah but when you've got three wee dudes who oh yeah you're you're talking about uh, like uh, yeah yeah and I was talking about like an ice cream scoop thing yeah yeah like you, that before mash. You dubs probably use it for an ice cream <laughs> scooper, but they're actually mash scoopers. Oh, right. It's a proper carvery scooper you're talking about. A proper carvery oh, scooper. Yeah, yeah, because it was actually the other day, I mean, we'll probably chat to Cassie later on about Shepherd's Pie. I'd seen Shepherd's Pie on her page, and I actually, she influenced me, and I ended up going and making it, you know what I mean? So I made a lovely Shepherd's Pie over the weekend. Um, but Potty and Cora and Ollie, like they love seeing like the individual scoops. So I put it in a little dish, and then I just said, you know what? I'll scoop, scoop it out because Annette as well. She minds what she eats. She's not like me, where I'm just a greedy. <laughs> I just eat it all. And quite often, you find, especially when it comes to potato. I mean, really, a serving of potatoes about 125 grams, which is about one and a half medium-sized potatoes, you know what I mean? So yeah. if you are, you know, watching what you eat or whatever, at least with the scoop then, whenever you mash it, you, on it gives you a wee bit of, puts a wee bit of manners on you, yeah. And uh, and when I was doing it at the weekend, I said, you know what, it goes, I think this is a wee gadget that's it's used an awful lot in our house anyways, you know. Do you know, do you know what's perfect after you do the scoop? You just reach into the drawer, you take out the truffle slice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> slice yeah. a little bit of truffle. Slice a lot of truffles and shave a lot of Parmesan and crack black pepper over it. Spot on, actually. You're spot yeah. on. I actually can't believe you brought that. I'd be thinking about you now at home because you probably, if I see that on your Instagram now in the next couple I of days. I stitched up there, really, by, uh, by young Russell. Good man, yeah. Russell. No, you need to have it. So that's our two gadgets, three gadgets, actually, for this week. So this week's guest is Cassie Stokes. Thank you so much for joining us. On Thank the you podcast. so much for having me, Gar and Gary. Gar and Gary, yeah, two G's, <laughs> two G's. And I was thinking, and now we spoke about it briefly before we come on, but I was thinking about the first time I met you, and you are very different to what you're known for now. I would say. Yeah, no, definitely. I the first time I met you was I was working for Expose, and it was the night or the no, a few days before the VIP it was Style the day. Awards. It was, was it the day, day of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how busy we were. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you were showing me the meal that was being cooked that night. And we've been friends online ever yeah, since. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and one of the things with that was, and I suppose you were very engaged in what I was, that was kind of at the start when I was doing TV work. So, But I remember how at ease I felt when you were talking to me about the food. So that was something I found very comforting, I have to say. Well, I remember your food then and I remember now, well, watching it since on Instagram which is absolutely delicious so when you asked me to come on this I was like 100% yeah, you've always um, turned on the style yeah. uh, no pun intended but uh, <laughs> I made a rod from me back at that yeah well I was, I, I th- was it one of the first ones that you did the chocolate high heel was that the very first one or a couple of years into it yeah but, that was, every year I based the dessert on what, like fashion or yeah. the year with, one with you I done I got a dye bowl from uh, my sister works for a, a salon and I got her to get me 200 and 50 dye balls and we set a champagne jelly with raspberries and then I oh, put yeah. white chocolate into a, 
into a tube so it's like you're mixing yeah. the dye and then we, I got the pastry chef to make a brush show of chocolate so deadly kind of intricate and the pastry chef's looking at me going oh, pastry chefs love you? that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah, though. yeah they yeah. do but then when you tell them to do it 250 times <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so I suppose what we what I find really intriguing then is how you worked in it's fair to say that's kind of fashion and makeup yeah it, is it? yeah it was it was fashion makeup there was interviews you know celebrity <laughs> interviews and stuff like that so it was a mix but definitely was a fashion focused show which is you know something I talk about now because I'm like I'm doing these interviews now about food and things that I absolutely love so I'm like I used to interview people about things that I had I have an interest in fashion I think all of us do because we get dressed every morning so that's yep. your own take but it wasn't my favourite thing I'm like yeah. food, drink hospitality travel yeah. The exposure girls would always be thing. in the studio when you'd be going out actually doing the like late lunch live or because during the day it used to be there they were always around I mean they were always the busiest group of girls that were in that studio because like, you could see like that one big room and Glenda was always running every time I saw her I always have this vivid memory of Glenda and Karen and all of them I was like oh Jesus like they really but it was a really jam-packed program wasn't it it was so packed I can't even believe that at one point it was an hour long and it was on every single day yeah and it was live at yeah, one yeah. point so it's like right. crazy before it ended I think it was on three times a week maybe twice or three times yeah. a week and it was on for half an hour which is such a difference yeah so I don't but even I know remember my buddy Owen, he works in the government now, like, but he was the showbiz reporter for the News of the World, which be, and then he ended up at the oh, yeah, at the Daily Mail for a long time. And he owns really into his food or whatever, but he was at my stag party down in Kilkenny. But all these teenage girls and girls in their 20s and maybe early 30s, everywhere you went with him, you're like, you're the exposing guy. And it was, a, <laughs> it was a, he says for all the stuff that he does, everywhere you went with him, he was swamped with all these teeny boppers because he was on expose. And it used to be the, this big, heavy bearded dude, yeah. like whatever. And he's famous for expose. And he used to get a great laugh out of it, you know. I know, it really had such a following. Yeah. It did. I was like, well, there was also like that target audience of mums. You know, if I went into, let's say, Dunn stores, I'd be like, oh, they know who I am in here. Yeah. You know, you could just feel it straight away. Now, my audience has changed yeah. a lot. Now I can't really go into many pubs without getting shouted <laughs> at. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that and the idea of what you're doing now and really, what are, your love of food now is obviously evident from the way you interview people, but where, where did that all come about? Yeah, well, I've always had an interest in food, in the hospitality industry, in pubs and in travel in general. So when I moved to even Toronto when I was 25, so years ago, um, I always made it a thing every week to find like a new place to go. I just actually have an interest in it, you know. And um, I continued that when I moved to London. Then when I came back here, because I don't think I properly experienced Dublin or Ireland before I left, because you're in that age group and for some reason you end up doing the same thing all the time. Yeah. So that's what I was doing. So then I, I guess I kind of learned how to explore or try new things. In Toronto, I'm, I remember someone telling me that they were going for a pint on their own. And I was like, what? And it was just so strange strange they're the, they're the best to hear pints. yeah I was like and now I'm like <laughs> the they're the 100% yeah. the best pints so I learned all these things and how to you know also enjoy my own company how to um, well I got to know what yeah. I like. and this is obviously your best off series that Gareth is asking you about and wh when did you start it like or did you try anything else that maybe didn't get the hook as quick like do you remember who your first one I, was yeah my first interview was with Eric Matthews um, I had worked with Eric before right. I sent him a message I was actually I was in a pub I was chatting with my girlfriend and I was just like, you know what? There's a guy in New York that does this. There's guys in London that do this. And I'm like, I think I want to do this here. Mm. It's just, you know, asking people in the hospitality industry about their favorite things. 
um, like restaurants, pubs. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I messaged Eric Matthews. He was like, absolutely. Yeah. And that's... You picked just, a good chef too. <laughs> I, I just worked with him. So just kind of fell into place yeah. you know and I was like okay great and there were so many people who were obviously so good to me to say yes you know I know yeah. I, I appreciate and I'm so grateful for all their time and anyone's time that they've given me over the last while because I'm only in this situation because pe of people who have said yes and who wanted to take part and it's amazing but the um, food I think the Irish food scene has that in it like yeah. you know and I think that's a misconception about the Irish food scene that you know chefs don't share recipes and don't talk to each other and it was, uh, it was almost deemed as, as a weakness or whatever you know what I mean but I mean I, I, no, I never really felt like that I was always very open giving them and I think nowadays people do realise how by being open and supporting other people as well and sharing that you might not have done a few years ago it's you're only growing yourself and you, you must and travel an awful you. lot though because <laughs> What catches me whenever I watch him is like going, Jesus, like Cassie actually knows that restaurant. She knows that bar. And it's not just, oh yeah, that one. Your reaction, I can tell by your eyes and the way you pop your head every time somebody might mention like the Harbour Bar and Downings in Donegal. And if they're not, they should be or here, there or whatever. And I'm like going, Jesus, good honour. Like she obviously knows the business and you're, you're eating and stuff in your face all over Ireland, clearly. You know what? I know enough and anything I don't know about, I always, you know, look into it and I feel like I've got a good idea when I see a picture or see a few pictures on people's Instagram whether yeah. I would like the place or not. So anything I don't know, I kind of look into and then I'm like, oh, this people have said this before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Downing. So, so what do you, what do you really like to and you know I'm going to ask you. What do I really right. like? Yeah, like you said, Just, I know whether I like it or not. Um, well, I re I do really like pubs. I like a really kind of relaxed atmosphere pub. Yeah. Um, when the food obviously looks good, but I'm definitely a pub person. Yeah. Just the inside, and I guess you can kind of get the feel from either the tagged pictures, and you just yeah. you cozy, kind of, yeah, cozy, cozy comfort food, nice pint, and then just. The way it's laid out. I don't like anything too fancy. I don't mind a fancy dinner here and there. But if yeah. I'm going to go in somewhere, I like an Irish pub. You know, a little yeah. bit, not too dark, but a little bit yeah. bright. There's the have dark ones for the... Have you felt that, um, like in the 10 years, have you seen the food getting better in Ireland? I think the food here in Ireland, we're only just stepping into the best part of it. Like mm. it's it's growing so much. People have so much interest in it and trying new things. Mm. Like I, when I was in Toronto, it was a real foodie scene. And now I actually think that what's, what happened there a few years ago is happening here. Yeah. It's like everyone's interested and everyone's, you know, obviously... You know, we don't have as much disposable income, but I think that's why people are, are researching and finding out more so that they can spend their money in the best way. And there is a nice mix because I guess our base is um, Irish pubs, you know, so yeah. that's always going to be there. You know, no, well, not that no one wants to go to a new pub, but like you like the old ones. They yeah, do yeah. it well and that's great. And then you have your sprinkle of new restaurants here and there. Yeah. You know, and. And what's your favourite pub then in Ireland? Right. And we throw in the, Ireland. Turn the tables on, you know. My favourite pub in Ireland. God, there's so many popping into yeah. my head. A lot of it is actually the weather, the day, where yeah. you are. If you're on holidays, are you off? Are you just popping in because you're hungry? Like a lot, an awful lot of factors come into that. But I suppose, I'm sure if you keep the same criteria to a few, like where it's a weekend away, whether it's north towards Donegal or south towards He just Kerry. wants you to say something to Donegal. Yeah, yeah, I do. That, no? You know what though? I, I do. <laughs> I'm like, I do. Hashtag Glenbar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Glenbar. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Grogan's, I think, is incredible. And I'm talking about during the day for a pint on like a random Tuesday. You sit in there when it's raining. You can sit outside there when it's raining. Just watch the world go by. The toasties are out of this world. And it's a great pint. And it's just, and the staff are always amazing. It's a lovely spot. It's incredible. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. I always say, anyone visiting Ireland, 
Go to Grogan's. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I do like, well, I, I really like, I like Walsh's and Stony Banner. I never make fun of that. But anyway, um, Walsh's and Stony Banner, Gravediggers, Glimmerman. I think they're incredible places. Gravediggers, yeah, the boys. They're I got, great. They're uh, Philly, so nice. Philly McMahon did the restaurant last year. And as a starter, he wanted to do coddle. So we did. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's a, a proper <laughs> dub. He's from Ballymun and very proud of the fact he's from that neck of the woods. And I was like going, like one of his starters was a really elegant dish from Oliver Dunn. We know Oliver quite well. It was this mad dumpling and this coconut lime sauce and enoka and pickle enoka and whatever. And then Coddle, Coddle was the second starter, not as a main, as a starter. So I reached out to Kieran in the Gravediggers because they're famous for it up there, you know. And uh, I followed that recipe. I mean, Stevie, who does the main course in the show, was laughing at me that day. I don't think I applied myself in that studio as much in the 12 years I've been doing the show. I said, I am not making the balls of this Coddle. <laughs> Do you know what it was incredible? Was oh yeah, well we have a different name for coddle, right? It's called Studies, and so what? it's called Studies. Do you know that? No, no, it's called Studies, it and it's not More made. Delicious. It's not made with. <laughs> and my sterling coddle. I, yeah, I wasn't mad about it, but it's it's made almost identical to coddle. The only thing is, is it's um it's boiled mince as opposed to sausage, right? And it is a blonde. That's what upsets most oh, people about yeah. it, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. And easier to look at. Yeah, so it is actually easier to look at. There's no bacon in studies, you know, but I remember Pierce. Hold on a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no sausages in it, there's no bacon in it. Not a no, but there's there's onion. It's not coddle, it's studies. Studies <laughs> yeah. But it's it's All made right. it's made exactly the same way. And if you saw it in a bowl, Looks like similar. you would be like, Jesus, that's coddled only with so um, meatballs, <laughs> meatballs instead of. But yeah, look, it's incredible. I don't think there's anything as tasty as coddle that looks as disgusting. And I find it very <laughs> difficult to eat it looking at it. Like, yeah. you know, if you're blindfolded and you were fed it, you'd, you'd munch away at it. But it is a tough swallow. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I put pork ribs or like bacon ribs in it. There's bacon ribs in the Gravediggers yeah, one, yeah. Is, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm and the key fan. there is obviously you got to boil them first, get the salty off, it's soak them one night, boil them. The first boil's got to go out. Then you start to make it. And your first batch of potatoes is actually your consistency. Oh. Like that's there for the thickness. It's just all about, t- it's incredibly intricate actually when you make it really, really well. well like, it's all you timing. know, when you're talking to different people from Dublin and they'll say, like my grandmother used to make it and my aunt used to make it or yeah. we used to have it every Saturday or we hate it. We'd never make it. Like when the neighbours made it, you used to go, oh, they're making cotton. Like I just <laughs> yeah. love a dish that yeah. and then puts there's up so much Some put carrots in it, some would shoot you for putting yeah, carrots in it. Yeah. yeah, it's a real controversial one. I saw yeah. uh, the Food Night Runner, I think his name is. He did a cuddle and he said in his voiceover, he's like, listen, this is the way my mum made it. Yeah. I don't want to hear it in the comments. Yeah. Like, make it your own way. If you don't, <laughs> if you want to cook the sausages before, do what you want. And the comments. And yeah, it was like, over. cook the sausages. He's like, I told you in the voiceover, cook it whatever way you want. This is the way I like it. So yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. I had, I had Stevie, a Kilbarak man over me. He goes, you better make it like my man, Gaza. He goes, <laughs> I was like, Stevie, would you F off? He goes, don't be annoying me. I goes, I'm making it the way Philly wants me to make it. You know what? I was like going, how's your mammy doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? And he was, he was, but he, he loved it actually. It was one of the nicer days on set because we'd made such a big deal about getting it right because Ireland doesn't have tons of indigenous dishes for sure I mean ingredients and food yes amazing but you know it's probably one of the sad things about our country is unlike say northern Italy or southern Italy that and India as well is very regional the food and the dishes we certainly don't have an awful lot of things that you could quintessentially say is from you know here or there maybe spiced beef cork coddle Dublin like there's am I right in thinking that like there's not that many that stand out 
Yeah, I think when you start talking about dishes that you'll find there's recipes that are made slightly different. Yeah. People make soda bread slightly different in different yeah. parts of the country and people make stews slightly different. And, you know, I think one thing that we do have, and this is certainly what I think has changed in Irish food, is that we have amazing producers yeah. and amazing oh, yeah. ingredients. And I'm in my Euro Talk role, so that's in like a chef's organisation thing that I'm involved in. When we run the culinary competition every year, we normally bring in a Michelin star chef from another part of the world to help us judge. And they'd be blown away by, one, the calibre of cooking that does be going on with the young mm. chefs, as I do, um, but also the ingredients. And we always focus on Irish indigenous ingredients. This year we used uh, lobsters and uh, crabs. And what they created was literally two three-star Michelin foods. And yeah. that's that. That's it's always me thinking that, but also it's always they amazing. say that as well. And yeah. it's always so... And, I think now what I love about the Irish food scene at the moment is the different restaurant. And I think that's what I like most about what you're doing. You're highlighting all the different types of restaurants. Yeah. If, tur if Tourism Ireland hasn't hired you yet, Cassie, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. probably should I have mean, them sit down with your agent. <laughs> the amount of American followers they have and who went, we that's went amazing. to Dingle a few weeks ago and there was a lot of American tourists there and I think every second person came up and was like, Cassie, I love your videos. I, well, we, thought we planned our trip amazing. on your things. And I was like, well, like it's down to my guests, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm just asking the questions. They're giving the answers. But yeah, but I also do think when you claim something's the best, that's when you start to get reaction for things. And that's mm. what snowballs. But I have been really amazed with the American following. I'm like, this is. And how crazy. is that happening? Is it just organically? or Yeah, it's just organically. I guess it's just I think it's also people just sending it on. And then I guess say yeah. the one person who's in Dingle, who's like, I planned my trip based on her recommendations. They tell people, they send it on, and it then turns then into kind of word stone, of mouth. Yeah. yeah. And, but I mean, now I do feel like anywhere I go and I put up, I'm like, okay, people trust me now. So I'm not just putting up everything anymore. I'm just kind no. of, I'm kind of curating my page a little bit well, more. Well, that's really I'm important. Like, it's really important that you do that because you're only good. It's almost like in a restaurant, you're only as good as your last plate. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you've got somebody on mumbling about places and then you're like, oh, geez, I don't know. that. That's actually not that great. Have you ever had that? Where um, you're like, you're you know familiar with the place and you're like, Jesus, you liked it there? I, I always think service. I think service is such a huge part. Yeah. And there's a lot of places that forget about that. So that comes into anything. And I'm like, I would never recommend somewhere if I have a bad service experience. Yeah. And I'm like, and it's a shame because some, so many other parts are so good. I do get feedback from people and they're like, I've, I haven't gotten negative feedback yeah. about the places I've told people to go. And, you know, some people actually do reach out and they're like, hey, I, I have kids. Um, where, what Italian restaurant should I go to? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know where you saw that I have kids yeah, yeah. <laughs> on this Instagram feed, but you know, I'm like, I would, I don't, well, I'm not recommending it. Yeah. I'm like, I'll, I'll send them your way, but I'm just yeah. like, I'm not saying this is good for kids, but yeah. this place has a bit more space than this place. So do what you will with that information. I'm not claiming I'm the expert in that. I'm claiming I'm the expert for me. What makes, uh, <laughs> what makes really great service? Oh, just a, a welcome. I, I like familiarity. I think that's always so nice. And just, yeah, just being nice. Having the chats. Yeah. Like, and being left alone. So. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, being left alone, exactly. Yeah. Like, obviously, not, not taking a seat. But, um, yeah, like, they're just being nice. It's really mm. simple. Mm. But, yeah, I've had a good, a few bad experiences. And oh, it's, yeah, it's, there's no shortage of it. I, when I was in Viewmount and even now at the Chateau, I mean, everybody was hired on a conversation. Yeah. I never hired on a resume or a CV. Exactly. They would come and they would meet with us. You know, within seconds, like, oh, yeah, just a, a, all we ever wanted was a bubbly smiley face because you can take yeah. if somebody wants to work for you 
you can teach them anything. Yeah, it's you know? just, yeah, exactly. Be you nice. can't teach people to smile. You can't. Yeah. And I know in Toronto, I definitely learned it when I worked in, um, I worked in an Irish pub in the financial district called PJ O'Brien's in Toronto. It's a great spot. But I learned so much about the hospitality industry. Yeah. I actually think everyone should do a stint in the hospitality industry in like fourth year or something so that everyone learns because I do think you're in a restaurant sometimes. It can be with people you're even with and Anthony the way Berdine that they used to treat say that a lot. service is very, yeah. is really, it's like you must have never worked person. in the service yeah. industry. You know, 100%, I do think customers, when you're surprised with how they treat uh, staff, they've yeah. de- never worked in yeah. the industry. But I really learned so much when I was in that pub in Toronto. And it was, just, I know you're you're getting tips over there. So there is a little bit of a difference, you know. Yeah. But I do think in Ireland, we're very, very, very lucky with the level of service that we get. 100%, and you only have to yeah. spend a bit of time on holidays. I wasn't going to say France. Oh, but in no, Paris but it, it specifically. That's no, awful. No, but it happens. It yeah, happens you're like, in loads of actually, places. <laughs> where it's, it beggars belief how they have the reputation they have. I mean, God forgive me for saying it, like, but you'll never come across worse workers. <laughs> I, I remember, uh, yeah, asking in, in a hotel and I was just like, is there a nice place around here for coffee? And they were like, everywhere is nice for coffee. Oh, it's yeah. Paris. And I was like, oh, thank you for your oh, help. It's... Where's your favourite pizza? <laughs> yeah, <it's> just, yeah. <laughs> Dishing it out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins, a Go Loud original podcast. Proudly sponsored by Cully and Sully. Now is the perfect time to dig into a Cully and Sully risotto. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast. Cully and Sully's squashed veggie soup is in season and the perfect warming meal. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Do you feel like complaining sometimes? Oh, no. no. Yeah. No, I, not at all. I'd be the same. I'm not really into complaining, but like... No, you just never you just, go back. Yeah, you just kind of think about it and you're like, oh, that's a little bit of a shame. No, no, no I do way. always give places a second or third chance. Third chance. And I think that's, that's important. <laughs> I know, I think of like course. because... And I, I would say to what I've certainly learned about being in this industry that service recovery is more important than yeah. bad service. Because like... And I would, to anybody that has bad service in Ireland, let them know. Yeah. It's not complaining, but it's like, you know, not that I like getting an email, but somebody that was in and they had poor service and any of the food business that I've worked in, the first thing I'll do is pick up the phone to say, look, I'm really sorry yeah. that you've had that experience. Yeah. Well, come here, do you know what? Can I have an opportunity to make it better? And 99% of the time, you'll turn that super negative space yeah. into a customer for life yeah. because that, you know it can happen like, but that's the like, problem with Ireland what he just said there and I said right away like do you complain we're like no no yeah. way I mean we can't anyway because most of the places they all know us anywhere of notes anyway like if you're in these and you never really you get nothing out of complaining it's in the Irish psyche but you learn nothing Gareth would far rather somebody drop him a line or drop the manager a line afterwards yeah, and give you an open up a fluke. Yeah, yeah, and exactly, give you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's his email address again? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. and dish it out. But the thing the thing is like is you can't fix it if you don't know either. Ireland has definitely got better at complaining anyway. Like there's no doubt about that. But like for a long time they would rather leave and tell the whole country that you had an off day or whatever, which is tough then, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's constructive complaining and then yeah. there's another level, which is probably, you don't want to see those emails. But like, I'm the same. So if I ever have an experience, I'm like, I, like if I owned it, I think I would like the person to let me know. Like, it's would. not like it's terrible. It's just that 
just so you know, this person was just a tiny little bit rude in this situation. Yeah. Like I felt a little bit embarrassed just letting you know, you know, and yeah. then it's like you, you're giving the place a second, ch- another chance, of course. Mm-hmm. But I do think it does help. But I, all, like, I mean, if you, if you are running, I'd like to think if we're running, you're running the business correctly, you'll catch it before they even leave. Yeah, and I know, it. yeah, we've touched on the, the bad points, but this is, uh, it's probably 5% bad and then yeah, 95% yeah. Oh, like, Especially when you're thinking of some. I was in Toners uh, last week, and I haven't been in it in years and years and years, like literally years and years, because I work in a different part of town. And uh, when I walked in, the place was like wedged. Now I'm talking wedged, and there was three of us. The order was two points again, us and a point of Bulmers, and we had our first one. I was halfway through it, and I looked up, and Jerry was behind the bar. He was like. He was already looking at me. No, it's so good. Yes. That man's gasping. (laughs) I want another point. It's amazing, isn't it? That's a gift from Baby Jesus himself. (laughs) Just like, he saw me. Yeah. Yeah, On his his side, he's like, I can see another good few pints from now. He's just, you know, it's just, it's great. Oh, Jesus. It's amazing though, isn't it? I mean, I love Q's as well. More for the people than anything. The staff are amazing up there. You'll always meet somebody that you kind of know. And when I was a commie in Dublin, my first ever time in Dublin, I was a commie chef in the Cav. There was a chef there from the Gavroche back in the late 90s, and I would have worked there. So South Ann, or Ann Street South, or whatever it's called, has a special place in my heart. So I, I love getting into queues for a wee sneaky one before yeah, a match. It's, it's a great spot. You said there how you, you're more than likely running into someone you know, and I'm like, oh, so uh, I... Some, sometimes you can be in the mood for that and other times I'm really All shy right. so I actually don't really yeah. like seeing you want anyone. Peace. I'm like, so I try and find the pubs that not many people are going to be in. Yeah. I like the yeah. quieter ones. Yeah, you're so, so, you're like, so friendly, Cassie. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just shy so I'm always like, oh, and especially now with this, with what I've done. I'm yeah. like, I can't, I, if I go near Grogan's when it's busy outside, I, I'm having a conversation with at least 10 separate people yeah. telling me which questions to add the, yeah, to, the, okay, to the series. Well, that's or, a downside. Or, that's a downside. So I'm like, yeah. I just like quiet, you know, I like the Lord Edward. It's nice. Right. It's, and it's, it's not too quiet, but like it's a mix. The seating is really good there. Upstairs is amazing. I can't go in for a sneaky McDonald's where I go, what are you doing here? And I'm like, because I'm a fat bastard. <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's like, what are you doing in here? I was like, what do you mean? Something are you not a chef? I was like, it's half two in the morning and I'm fucking starving. But everyone you know likes I mean? McDonald's. Yeah, don't be annoying me. I work with McDonald's. I'm like, don't deny it. You all eat it. Oh, a big, a big Mac delicious. is sometimes it's just the only way to go when you're in the zone, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. I, yeah, I like the tender or the, yeah, the chicken selects they have. God, oh, yeah. I love them dipped in the yeah, sauce. My, my, my no. sous chef, Adam, he goes into McDonald's and man, it takes about 10 minutes to build his burger. And I'm like, you're the only one that gets funky. you got to be El Clasico. He's like tapping. There's a wee place near the Chateau where we, we live in the middle of nowhere in the Loire Valley, right? But we're quite near a place called Chessy and the city of Orléans. It's the Joan of Arc city. But if we're going to Orléans, because we buy everything at the markets and stuff like that, you know what I mean? We've, we've no deliveries allowed in the Chateau. So we'll go and I'd say to him, I was like, listen, man, pop into McDonald's for a week. And because you're surrounded by lobster, filet mignon, foil, you name it, like the best. Sometimes we just want to eat like something dirty and normal or whatever. Yeah, and so it's okay. always like a wee treat on the way back from Orléans that we pop into McDonald's. And I'm nearly finished my Big Mac by the time Adam's still adding fucking sauces <laughs> and whatever like to this build a burger, you know. So talking to building the burgers, cooking, where are you at with cooking? I mean, I can cook, but I don't really cook. Um, my girlfriend actually, she's the cook. In she's our the chef in all your videos. Yeah, she does she's all the cooking. She's very good. She's, she's great. Yeah, she's What's really great. What's her name? Nick. 
Nick. Yeah, well, Nick. she's really great. Um, Look, and could she, you pull in the wool over everybody's eyes when you pull it over mine? I always thought it was you. People thought it was me. I know. Even yeah, I think well, my dad thought it was me. Always credit our daughter. <laughs> yeah, always. It's called yeah, yeah. I film. She cooks. Yeah, yeah, she cooks. yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, it just worked. I was like, one day we were both like, "Will we? Will I just film it while you cook?" Because she's cooking anyway. You did a shepherd's pie one. Was it last week yeah. or the week before? Made a shepherd's pie. I actually, it was. like you, you osmosis shepherd's pie into my you brain. <laughs> yeah, I was and, considering me influenced, and I did. Yeah, it's still in the fridge. Yeah, I, I, I took some out of the freezer to stuff my face Lovely. tomorrow before the match. Yeah, yeah and where, who comes up with the, the dishes or the ideas? Um, or? Nick, actually. Yeah. Right, okay. Unless I see something, you know, we do. We both are and really you just, interested. You just in cook, food. but you just want to eat that day or whatever it is. Yeah, you're no like specific. yeah, exactly. So it's kind of we just whenever. Well, we're we also lucky enough we get to go out and eat as well because uh, yeah. for my kind of Work my job, it. I guess I yeah. do that. So. We probably cook twice a week, I'd say, filming. But like, you know, she'll throw something together. Oh, you you film two recipes a week? Yeah, we just so I have them well, in the bank. I try yeah. and get them. I try get them out once every two weeks, once every week. I'm I'm trying to keep my content yeah. really consistent. So yeah. I'm like yeah. just trying to film as much as I can. Well, consistency is key. You yeah. know, especially with with this. And I remember hearing Damien Broderick, the um, well, let's say a stylish man. He's yeah, yeah. an influencer who went from sixteen thousand followers to one point three million. He just he was uh, said just consistency. You know, I was posting a video. He was posting a video every day for two years wow. and so it looked like he'd shot up out of nowhere but he was like I was working yeah. for two years and Lost it was only over the ass, last yeah. few months that that happened and he's done incredible yeah. so I was like we were able you know to do that during that. COVID because we weren't in the restaurants or, or the hotels it's so difficult when you're working full time like and then of with the rare time is. you're at home yeah. I gotta be at home without the kids you gotta have a quiet house it's nigh on impossible yeah and you wanna take time away from your phone as well so oh. you're like you need you know they, they say health experts are like stay away from your phone for a little bit I'm, and it's hard to obviously do that when you're trying to work and then your job is kind of intertwined mm. with posting so it's a mm. lot that brings us then to our cookbook corner cookbook that we, we ask everybody <laughs> who what book did you bring this week and who do, who do you dabble well I brought Donald Skihan's Home Kitchen. Good which man. Is That's the newest book. one. It's the newest book. Yeah. Um. I absolutely love, I love Donald. Donald. He's a great guy. Yeah, I think good. he's incredible. I was lucky enough to meet him a few years ago and actually have like a few drinks with him. We were at a, a work thing and yeah. it was, he was just the most amazing and he is the most amazing person. He's such good crack. He's a lovely dude. Yeah. And he's great. And he's just, his videos are amazing. His food always looks so good. And it, it looks like you can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, okay, I like I said, Nick is the chef, not me. But when I look at some of uh, his recipes, I'm like, okay, maybe I could try do it like that. And it won't say, look Nick like that. Like yeah, and then I'm like, Nick, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're, exactly. Like, there's a. There's is there a, any recipe in particular in there that, honey that has sesame, a dirty page? Yeah, honey sesame chicken. Um, like yeah, he that, Donald loves the sticky kind of, food. Yeah, oh, it yeah. Looks, with the rice and everything, yeah. it looks really good, and it looks like I could do it, and it wouldn't be. There's Terrible. no flies on Donald. He knows how to get the hook. Even his videos. I mean, Annette, my wife, right. were in her house 10 years. But like when she, when we moved in together, all, she has all of Donald's books and Nevin's books and uh, Jamie Oliver's another one because the, all the recipes work. Yeah. Like Donald puts a, it's his full-time job. He does, you you can tell that he cooks them and he, and he has all his videos up and you can see them. Yeah, so he his content is top class. Yeah, yeah and consistent. He puts mm. it up, he puts a video up nearly almost every single day, doesn't he? Yeah. Well. And he's got the trick. He talks to camera a little bit, takes a bite and you're like, God, that looks delicious. Yeah. All of his stuff. Even if I wouldn't necessarily eat what he's cooking, I'm like, I would eat that. Is, yeah. there, is there stuff you don't eat? 
I'm not a huge pasta fan. I like pasta, oh, wow. but I'm not like I I've, pasta fills me so really quickly. Yeah. So I I would I really enjoy a. You'd few rather eat longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, and I really like sitting Crazy. and picking. Yeah, I I could sit for hours. My favorite meal used to be me myself and my grandma sitting down. We get a roast chicken and she'd make all these salads. And for Saturday, I would sit with my grandma for about three hours and anyone that would come in the door they'd sit down and join us for a cup of tea and some chicken so we'd sit there and that was my favourite meal ever Class. we just picked and picked and yeah. so I definitely am like a grazer don't get me wrong I love pasta and I crave it yeah. but I'm like to sit there and eat a full pasta bowl would take me forever Yeah. Uh, when I've gone for a really nice walk or something during the day you know when you're in the cold like yeah, in the winter yeah. that's when I really crave pasta like, yeah. oh wow even just like pasta with you're selling it back to yourself yeah, like, yeah. Actually, maybe that. I do like pasta yeah, she, wants to, she wants to rethink that <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I, I'm not the biggest fan of shepherd's pie and I said yeah. to Nick I was like I, I'll try your shepherd's pie like it's not my really my thing I do like something I like having a cold element to my meals well, so sauce. I do like oh, really? yeah I like having I do like having a salad with every meal I think oh, a salad just works no. with, every, with every meal so side salad with everything no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I just no. love it I'm not saying full salad I'm saying side salad with everything yeah. so uh, the shepherd's pie I was really blown away did by you just it. have a side salad with your shepherd's pie well no not not that day but I did when <laughs> yeah. I had it the next day I was like can I please have a salad yeah. Nick's like fine <laughs> yeah, the only like, thing that could be said a shepherd's pie is either why or sauce or brown sauce chef brown sauce Heinz for red chef for brown well Giddy up. I'm not a big sauce fan. <laughs> I am. I don't really know. I don't oh, really I get the whole thing. I know. I do you don't get brown sauce? sauce? Don't no, get I'm sauce. putting it on a shepherd's pie or whatever. Oh, talking. would you stop? It's the only way to eat it. <laughs> or in a stew. Yeah. Try it, guys. Oh, brown, brown sauce on a stew. Brown sauce. Yeah. Oh, man. Lovely. Top drawer. And yeah. I do like Tabasco like as well. Out. Yeah, I probably like Tabasco too much, to be honest. Yeah. Really? yeah, I got to a stage where I think everything tasted like Tabasco. I so can't. I was just throwing it on I've everything. developed this thing like where I like spicy food, but I get overwhelmed incredibly quickly. Even Frank's hot. hot I mean, the boys used to call me Wingding in Boston because <laughs> Monday Night Football I used to make these Wingdings and toss them in Frank's. And I, me- I always remember the first time I saw Frank's and Sammy Adams, which is a Boston lager, on the shelves in Tesco. Hashtag please bring it back Tesco But In the last six or seven months Even now when I'm having Buffalo wings Or I make a tempura This lovely little tempura flour that I have And I put a wee bit of the sauce into that So the chicken's actually in a Frank's tempura but I get it, the spice just kills it, and then I stop tasting anything after like a few minutes. And it's every every good Indian restaurant I go into too. I'm like, geez, I have to get a mild dish, and I I love the heat. Yeah, but. I, I just get so overwhelmed all of a sudden with the heat. I can taste nothing and I, I can't eat it. It's a disaster. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've yeah. become a fan of dry wings like lately. Yeah. I'm like, actually, I've, I'm preferring them without any sauce and you can't find them anywhere. So I'm like, Nick only makes them. But I'm like, if there's, if you know just of any restaurants that do them. Yeah, I'm just like, no sauce. I'm like, I yeah, really well, like blue a dry cheese, like Some crows are blue with a wee oh, bit of yeah, mayonnaise okay. and then the sauce on the side. So I just do yeah. dippy dippy now and it's just oh, a yeah. wee bit. It's the only way to go, yeah. And big chunks of blue cheese, not. Yeah. Don't whip it. Have it chunky. 100%. Yeah, crows are blue or cashew blue. You can't go wrong. Beautiful cheese. And some fresh celery as well. Delish. Oh, well, I think so. Oh, that's the celery. <laughs> I think I think that wraps us up. Hey, yeah. Cassie, it was lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for coming in and Thanks talk for to you. Me. Yeah, and keep up the brilliant work. It's absolutely the best series on Instagram. <laughs> so, Cassie, thanks very much for joining us here on Dishing It Out, and uh, best of luck with the. Thank the you series. so much. Thank you, Gar and Gary.
Okay, so every week we ask you to email in your questions to dishing at goloudnow.com and producer Russell has got a few for us this week. Yes, a couple of questions here for you and uh, let's go with this one which kind of stems from something that you mentioned during uh, the chat with Cassie earlier on. You're having a bacon sandwich for breakfast one day. What sauce are you having? Red or brown? And that comes from Pete in Dundalk. Well, I'm happy to go first here. I yeah. wouldn't have either. I'm not a sauce kind of person and um, after talking to you lot I think I'm probably missing out here a little bit but I've never been a big fan of uh, of sauces in general I just proper country Irish butter I use the one from Glen Ellen Farm mm. uh, which is incredible because uh, I like how they season it and I just like the flavour it has so they don't season the whole butter they put a sea salt through it so I love hitting those little bits yeah. of salt but I would a nice thick layer of butter and the bacon has to be crispy that's me yeah well, I'm with you on this actually. So I do love brown sauce. Ketchup, I can kind of take it or leave it. But I love a little bit of brown sauce if I'm having bacon just on a plate with a couple of fried eggs and maybe black pudding. But if I'm having bacon in a sandwich, really good dry cured Irish bacon. Streaky or back? Both actually. I love streaky. <laughs> I do love in a sandwich. In a sandwich, I prefer back bacon. Yeah, you know what I mean? More, a bit more eating. Yeah, it, there's a bit more eating in it, and it's nicer in a sandwich. You know what I mean? There's not as much fat either. I do. So for a sandwich, it would be always be back bacon for me, and um, cheese. So if I'm going to get any sort of, you know, cheese. sauciness in a sandwich, it would be a lovely bit of cheddar, like sharp cheddar in in that sandwich. And what I would do is I would. I would cook it in a frying pan the way they do in America. Like I would butter the outside of the bread and I pan fry it. So I, I cook my toasties. Bacon is cooked. Then drop in a few knobs of butter and then sandwich goes in. The bread is buttered really well. Cook the well. bacon in the pan as well? Well, you cook the bacon separate, obviously. So the bacon's cooking into the sandwich and then two slices of white bread or two slices of sourdough. Lovely, sharp cheddar. Butter the bread on the outside and pan fry it to grill it. Top class. That sounds wonderful. No sauce. It? it sounds so good. Now, it does, again, speaking of what Cassie was talking about of best in Dublin, one of my favourite sandwiches in Dublin is in the Pepper Pot Cafe and they do the bacon, cheddar and pear sandwich. Pear? Pear. Yeah. Have you never had a? No. Down the road from here. Come. All hot? Uh, uh, no, the pears, it would be nice room temperature. Okay. Mm. It is sensational. That's interesting. Yeah, it's really, it's iconic. One of my favourites. Well worth trying sometime. This comes from Mark in uh, Carlo. He says, I tend to oversalt when cooking, which my partner really doesn't like. I think it's fine, but he says it's just too much. Have you any suggestions on how to rebalance a dish? if it's a little too salty. Oh, well, listen, the worst thing that you can do is over-season food. Like, I mean, as chefs, you've got to, you know, have a real fine balance. Everything has to have flavour. But I mean, if your partner is it is finding your food too salty, then it's just inedible to them. You've just got to tone it down. I mean, whenever I'm doing cookery demos or I'm cooking at home, obviously with three children, I'm always really conscious of salt content for them. And chefs tend to season before they cook something, you know what I mean? So I do use seasoning. I use good rock salt and, and good pepper because, I mean, the, the better quality of the salt, the less of it you're using as a start. But it's very simple. If if you're the one that's at home and you're cooking for somebody else, you've just got to go on the light side of the seasoning and then you've got to just season it afterwards yourself because you're just on a hiding to nothing there. Look, my brother Pierce doesn't really take much salt. When he would come to my house for dinner, 
every now and again him and his family may come for Sunday lunch but I'm really conscious that they don't eat salt and that's their choice mm. so they don't eat it at all no not really no like it's just something they just stopped taking salt like a long time ago you know what I mean so whenever he would come for lunch I would nearly always do like a nice steak on the barbecue whatever when they would come but I would make sure that I let him if he wants season. to season it he can do it himself and you know, the only answer to that is be respectful of who you're cooking for. So ease up on the salt. Yeah, and then the only other bit is if you do over-season something, depending on what it is, the only way to bring the salt levels down is through volume. Yeah. So it's making, if it's a, a soup that you've made, you're going to have to add in more stock and more vegetables or whatever. You can't really get rid of, if you over-spice something, you can obviously add in a bit of cream or a bit of butter or lemon juice is good. Yeah. yeah, lemon can the acidity will balance it yeah. a little bit. But if you over season something, the only way out of that really is to increase the volume. And you know, obviously, if you over season a pot of soup, you throw a splash of cream into it, taste it again. But really, the skill around seasoning is something that needs to be learned. And I think that's a yeah. real misconception around. You hear chefs talking about their palate a lot. I mean, no one has it to begin with. So you have to learn about seasoning and it's the hardest thing to learn when you become a chef. Yeah, I have this thing like where three people always, like if I make like a mother sauce or you make a pot of soup or you make a sauce that's going to be on the line for a day or two, that there's always three palettes that go to it. So for the young chefs, whenever they're teaching, it's important for me whenever they're left behind that if they're making a sauce or a soup or whatever it may be, a dish, that it's to the standard that I've set. And that's, you know, the same with Gareth in his kitchen or any head chef in their kitchen. You know, when you agree on something, but consistency is key. So you would you would get them to taste it and say, well, what do you think? What does it need? Now, it may need nothing, but, you know, they'd always be like, oh, I don't know, maybe a bit more white pepper, a bit more whatever. And then, or they might say it needs nothing. And then you say, no, it needs a bit of lemon juice, it needs white pepper, and then it needs salt or black, whatever it may be. Then you get them to re-taste it again now you've added another layer of flavour into it. And believe it or not, after like five, six months of continuous teaching and training, you're not doing that at home. I'm not doing that with my wife when I'm at home. But like when Annette started cooking first. Your idea of fun. Well, yeah. Whenever Annette was cooking at first, like the food, like she'd be out for dinner and she'd be like, oh, geez, there's no flavour in this. It's not nice. And whenever she started cooking, I'd be like going, Annette, taste your food. Just taste it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, she'd make something and I'd say like, anytime you come out for dinner or you come to me when I was in Viewmount, you would say, oh geez, that was gorgeous, that was lovely. Or like, you'll often say if something need, needed seasoning, I goes, you got to apply the same logic. And what you do then is you say, I think it needs this much salt, but leave it about 10% shy. Yeah, Always you know. leave it that I think it needs more than that, but that's close. I remember years ago, you and I cooked at the RAO. It was for a, a, an event for a thousand people. I done the main course, Gary done the soup. And uh, Gary was making this pot. And it's hard to... Sh- like, it took 550 it, bowls, yeah. So it's a like big a pot. a massive big pot. And there was two of them. And it was a spiced cauliflower soup. It was very nice. Yeah, thanks. Um, uh, but when Gary was working on it, he came over. He's like, "Guys, you're gonna have to help me season this because he was after being tasting that much." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. And then I was tasting. It, I was like, "Yeah, we have to pull someone else in." And that's that's what cooking is about. And it's like when I'm we're on the pass. So I forgot me, we did that dinner yeah, together. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that was dead. Yeah, I fixed the soup. Ah, good man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like when when you if you work in a professional kitchen, you'll constantly hear. The more senior chefs saying to the younger chefs, have you tasted it? Have you tasted it? Is it hot? Have you seasoned it? 
That's kind yeah, of a mantra. You, you, that's all you'll hear during service. Is it seasons? Is it season? Did you taste it? Did you taste it? Did you taste it? It's constant. So if you over season it, which was the question, the only way to bring it back is just by increasing the volume or as Gary said lay off the salt if it's somebody that really doesn't like it very much the case of um, you can add but you can't take yeah, away yeah. Exactly. very much that with that exactly. a really good question there I'm sure we'll come to, back to salt another day because it is so fascinating there's so many ranges and types of salt as well your Malden ackles your yeah, table yeah, and everything yeah. like that so uh, if you have any questions on that do send some in one last question a little quick one don't have a name for it I usually bring leftovers into work every day and between the fridge and the microwave there's no texture is there anything I can do to get around it. If it's, I don't know, if it's a, a salad or something and everything is going to go really mushy or whatever, you won't be putting a salad in the microwave. It's tricky to know, but mm. I think adding texture to things, it's like croutons are a brilliant way, little bits of crispy bacon is really good. Uh, you know, crispy chickpeas, if really you want to get into that world, but the, really the key when any of that crispy stuff is that I can't get near any moisture. So it, you're not putting it into the fridge, it's in an airtight container, and it's always added at the last, last, last minute. So like my world, for example, if I'm putting a crispy piece of bacon on a dish, it's the very last thing that hits that plate before it goes into the restaurant. So I would say maybe that's where that question is coming from. They're probably leaving whatever the texture is in there and they're putting it in the microwave. And then obviously how microwave works is it's creating steam. And the steam is just going to take away any of the texture. So Exactly what Gareth said there. Yeah, without really knowing what it is that somebody's bringing in. I mean, you could have like two or three little Tupperware containers. Exactly. And if it is a salad or you're heating a wee bit of chicken or something to go with a salad, you know, buy small little heads of BB jam and, you know, keep them in the fridge. Have a little Tupperware container. I'm sure there's a couple of presses that they have tea bags and coffee and sugar. You know, buy one on a Monday. And as he said, Gareth said there, a little container of, of croutons you can actually make them yourself really easy at home little crispy onions if you're heating a pasta dish they're brilliant the Asia market which is around the corner here from Marconi house you'll get these wee tubs of uh, crispy fried onions and they're ama- them, yeah they're amazing if it's a uh, if it's a little pasta dish that you're heating up or, you know, you're reheating a wee bit of yeah, stew or so, rice or, or whatever it may be, a stir fry or whatnot. And uh, and barring that, again, you'd, you'd really need to know what it is that you're heating up to give you the, the, the best thing to marry with it. But the onions will go on any kind of a pasta dish. The croutons and fresh lettuce can be added to any meat that you're heating up or doing that. And, and that would be lovely. And uh, yeah. Some really good tips there, and uh, I guess also very typical chefs deconstructing everything as well. Yeah. <laughs> You're encouraging that type of behavior. Yeah. Uh, thank you all so much for those questions. Dishing at goloudnow.com is the email to get them to, or I'm sure if you send some questions to the lads on Instagram as well, they'll gladly yeah. uh, send them on to me and I'll add them into the mix for next week. Thanks very much for joining myself, Gary and Gareth on this week's edition of Dishing It Out uh, brought to you by Cully and Sully. Big thanks to them. Cassie was amazing, Gareth, huh? Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And I, I find it fascinating and uh, cool that someone was in a, such a different world. Yeah. And uh, this is, is exactly what I'd said to you when we'd start getting guests in. You just open up this whole... She is just so into food. Yeah, I know. You know, like, she she's not the biggest cook, and I know she won't mind the saying that, because yeah. she told us that. Her girlfriend does a lot of the cooking, but she is into her grubber. 
Yeah, like what, a, what a lovely company, yeah. And you could, you could tell, see her face lighting up yeah, every time she spoke yeah, about something. Yeah, she started more. chatting about pasta and spaces. Her and, pints. Yeah, her pints, yeah. <laughs> she loves an old pint of Guinness, yeah. It's, uh, no, she was a sweetheart. It was, she was everything I was hoping that, that she would be good on her. So uh, tune in next week. And again, your questions, dishing at goloudnow.com. We love getting them. And chat to you next week. Dishing it out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins, a Go Loud original podcast. Proudly sponsored by Coley and Sully. Deliciously fresh, tastes like homemade ingredients you find in your kitchen. Go Loud. Sounds better with us.